Welcome to the Unstoppable Grit Podcast, where we dive into the mindset shifts and practical tools to help you break through the roadblocks standing between you and achieving your goals. I'm your host, Danielle Kobo, a former Fortune 500 senior sales manager who spent 15 years in the medical device industry and now the best-selling author of the book, Unstoppable Grit. Think of this podcast as your go-to source for career advice and burnout prevention strategies to help you build a career and life you love. Now let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dream Job with Danielle Kobo. I am your host, Danielle Kobo, and today we have another empowering, inspiring woman joining us today. Today, our guest is Alicia Merlot, and she has over 20 years in medical aesthetics industry. Among that is 10 years in sales and then another 10 years in a variety of roles. And really what we get to talk about today is her career journey and also the steps that you could take to accelerate your career even if you don't want to get into a management position. So we're going to be diving deep into that. So thank you so much for joining us today, Alicia. Thank you for having me, Danielle. It is an honor and I'm so excited because I am a follower of all of your content and really appreciate what I learned from all of your guests and look forward to sharing as well my own story and journey. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for that compliment. Um, So tell us a little bit. I mean, like I said, you've got over 20 years in the medical aesthetic industry. Tell us about your career journey and how did you get to where you're at today? So I love to start my career journey with a mindset that I had. So I started in medical as a director of first impressions, a la the front desk in an orthopedic group. I had a college degree, um, part of a master's, and here I was greeting patients, prepping charts, and answering phones. And I say that because my humble beginnings um, really were a foundation for where I am today. And so when I was working in orthopedics, I always thought to look behind me and see what were the other roles and opportunities in the practice, right? It wasn't about me getting out and finding the next best thing. I was like, maybe the next best thing is here. And so through observing and asking about whether other people were doing in the practice and really seeing what was happening, I was able to move up and became a clinical study coordinator for the group. And there I loved it. I got to, you know, be part of innovations and new devices in spine surgery coming out, observe cases, work with industry very closely. And it was when I was working with industry very closely, um, listening to these presentations from the sales reps I remember sitting there listening to one and going, I could so do that job. Like that was the voice in my head. I'm like, and not only could I do that job, like, I think I would really like that job. And so this is the time when the internet was really brand new and monster.com was the only online job resource. And so as tenacious as I was, I just started applying for every single pharmaceutical drug job that was ever posted. And That included submitting 121 resumes. That's a lot of resumes. That is definitely approaching that job search uh, process with perseverance and dedication. Oh, I, 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 once I have an idea in my head or something that I want to go after, I really, I'm not one to give up. And I really felt that this was the next step in my journey. And it came down to two 
roles. And if I could share a little bit of this, because sometimes we're also kind of faced with two decisions, right? And we have to figure out what is the opportunity. So I was interviewing at the time um, for um, a cardiovascular health company. Um, at the time, it was called Smith Klein Beecham, and it was for their hypertension portfolio. And I flew out to the East Coast because that was where, you know, drug central was, had multiple interviews. Um, and at the same time, I was interviewing with another smaller company that was based out of California. I'll share the name of it in a second. But Glaxo offered me the job. And I was very excited. I thought this is prestigious. You know, this is pharmaceuticals. Um, their training was six weeks in New Jersey. At the time, I had a two-year-old. So you know the struggle of balancing home and career. And I thought, oh my goodness. And I said, well, can I come back on the weekends? They said, no. I said, said, well, no. if I, they for said, no, you have to be there. Training? You have to be there for six weeks. That's the commitment. You cannot leave. I mean, it was like, I was like, well, what if I flew myself back? Like if I, you know, and they said, no, we need you there. Wow. And I was like, oh my goodness, you know, and I really had wanted that job, but I still was interviewing as I had just mentioned. And there was a smaller medical company based out of California called Obaji. And I also was very fortunate to get a job offer from them. And their training was, and the first thing I said is like, how long's your training program? And they said, five days in Kansas City. I said, sold. Um, because I really liked what I saw with the company, but it also fit and matched with where I was in my life. And that was an important step. I wasn't pursuing medical aesthetics. I just wanted this type of role. And I was willing to be able to um, do whatever it took, but not at the expense at that time of obviously having a young family. Yeah. And, and that really speaks to when people are looking at organizations to work for, if a company is not supportive of individuals putting their family as the number one priority, it may not be a company I would necessarily want to work with because being a parent is first and foremost, number one, second to that is the job, but also being a parent is a motivator to why you do the things that you do and why you continue to, you know, thrive in your career because you want to provide for your family. Exactly, exactly. And sometimes it just depends on the stage in life that you're at. Sometimes you have more flexibility as I did have later on in my career when my husband decided to agree to be the stay home parent. Um, and I was able to pursue the opportunities I had ahead of me. But I agree with you. Um, that work life balance, I think sometimes it's 50 50, sometimes it's 100 0, sometimes it's 60 40. Um, it, it does change depending on the moment in time. But yes, family for me, especially like I know for you, Danielle, is always part of the equation and the factor and it's being put, you know, at the forefront. So you've got this job, you've, you've broken into medical sales and exciting that you broke into aesthetic sales because it's a, an incredible fun industry to work in. Tell us a little bit from there, how did your career journey go from being into sales to then transitioning into some of the variety of roles that you've had? Because a lot of times what happens is People enjoy their job. They want to accelerate their career, but they may not necessarily want to go into management. So where do you go? And can you share some of the different roles that you've had? Absolutely. And I went from Obaji to being offered the opportunity to launch the first hyaluronic acid filler 
in the US with a company called Metasys. And that was a sales role. But I want to call something out about how I was able to get that opportunity. It was my success at Obaji for sure. I was rep of the year, won the Rolex, you know, all the accolades that come along with, you know, being a successful person in sales. But at the same time, I always kept a pulse on the industry. What was coming? What was outside the US? You know, what were doctors looking forward to? And so I was really very active, not only in what my product or my day-to-day was, but what was going on outside. So I was brought on as part of the initial team to launch wrestling in the US. And it was epic. I mean, it was an epic time. And I was honored to do that. And I worked for them from 1990 in that sales role from 1993 until 2010. And so same thing, won multiple awards and all all of those accolades of success that were important to me in my career and that were acknowledging, you know, my hard work and effort and what I did for my customers. But at the same time, I was always looking out for what are the opportunities. And obviously the, the standard path, as you said, is sales management, sales leadership. And so I had a couple of times where I filled in um, for people, managers that may have gone on maternity leave or some vacancies um, in my territory during that time. But, you know, and I loved being a leader of people. Um, I loved working with them, but I just really wasn't like passionate about that. And it was a struggle because I was like, okay, what's wrong with me? That's the next step, right? All the way up the ladder. And I said, well, if I'm not passionate about it, I'm certainly not going to want to pursue it. But I did, again, as I did in the orthopedic group, as I did when I worked at Obagi, is I looked around me. What were the other departments? What were the other areas of opportunity? And I asked the people and established relationships with those departments and those teams. And that was really important. So marketing, obviously, very close. Sometimes marketing and sales can have this, like, tension. Um, And I am not a tense person. I am about really helping to break down barriers and walls when it comes to relationships. So very engaged with marketing. But also at that time, there was a new team being developed called professional relations. And I was like, what is this? And it was like a really cool hybrid between kind of sales, but it was considered non-commercial, but still customer facing. And that's another thing that I didn't feel for me in a management role, I wanted to give up, which was day-to-day interacting with my customers, my partners, right? That was totally fulfilling for me to take them on the journey of working with our company. So we had this opportunity and this team was just developed in I latched on to every person that team and learned about what they were doing, learned about, um, you know, what the goals were for that team and basically said, if there's an opening, I'm interested. And you can talk to several people who started that team before I joined it. And they know I was pretty tenacious as I was with 121 resumes to say, I'm really interested in this. This would be my next step. Very transparent with my manager, though, I will be honest with you. I always want to have transparency and honesty in relationships. So my manager knew that I wasn't interested in taking her job, (laughs) Um, but really moving into another area of the company and had support there. And that's, I'm I'm glad that you speak to that. And the reason being is, is when you work closely with your manager and you really communicate what your goals are in taking that next step in your career your manager can be your biggest advocate and they can align you to mentors within the organization or special projects to be on where you're getting exposure to these different roles. So communicating your 
career goals and where you want to be is extremely beneficial when you're communicating it to your manager and linking arms with your manager to help you get there. Absolutely. And I was very fortunate to have some great managers at that time who supported me for that. And they looked at their job was not just to, you know, ride the coattails of me being successful, but really to help push me on to where my next step would be in the company. And so I was able to work in professional relations there and helped build the team that was focused on practice development or practice management. This was really early on. So 2010, a long time ago. Um, Now every company has adopted to actually have a whole team that does this. But it was very kind of, I would say, the kind of special forces of the company. And through that, my job was actually to go to every thought leader's practice evaluate the patient experience from the first phone call to post-treatment to marketing um, and put together a plan in place with them to be able to take it to the next level. And I'm talking thought leaders. We're talking the people that you see on podium, the people you see in publications and go into their practice and basically point out what, what they're doing wrong or could be doing better. And I was blown away by the trust that I had as was able to establish with these doctors and be able to Um, put together, you know, the opportunity for them to grow their business in this manner in those roles. And that was really fulfilling for me. That's an incredible role. And it's, and you're right, there's so many companies out there that have adopted this role, the special forces role and really linking arms with these key opinion leaders and helping them set up for success. Because if they are successful, then it's the ripple effect to everybody else in the industry. Now, you're in a unique position now after going in for professional relations. You've created the position you're in right now. So can you speak a little bit to where you're at now and the company you work with? Absolutely. I am with an incredible company. I went back to skincare. So I went from skincare to injectables to device to health tech and then back to skincare. And um, it's not in any way kind of a step backward. It was a step forward. So Color Science is an incredible company that has a legacy known for creating innovative products to protect and rejuvenate skin health. And I first connected with Color Science and the team there when I was working at another company doing more health tech type of things. And um, when I was working for a startup, I always seem to have this, this startup attraction doing things that have not been done before. When I looked back to prepare, Daniel, I have to say, I was like, wow, I took that leap of faith and did something I didn't do before. Um, and so Color Science had approached me when I was in another role with a startup medical device company here in Southern California. And I realized in relationship Um, with that, with what this role was, it wasn't for me. It was actually a marketing position. Um, It was a little bit junior to what I was doing, but it really wasn't, you know, at that time, great for me. But what I did was made sure I maintained a really good relationship with the chief business officer, Teddy Bell, who had approached me um, for this opportunity and would send little notes of congratulation. I followed the company. I was really, you know, looking and listening to what they were doing. Um, And then one kind of post success note, um, I got a note back from Teddy said, I need to share with what you're doing. We're doing these really cool things. It's really innovative. And I was like, I'd love to have coffee. So sat down and listened to where the company was headed, going from a mineral makeup kind of line, moving into really skin health and rejuvenation, putting science, doing clinical studies, really doing things that were really taking them to the next level when it came to their offerings. And he sat down and he would always close out our calls with like, oh, I wish we could hire you. I wish we could poach you. And I was so intrigued. 
And I said to him at the end of that call, he goes, I wish we could poach you. And I said, well, what would that look like? And literally, I think he, he was frozen because I'd always gently turned him down. And he's like, I don't know. He's like, we don't really have a job. He's like, let me get back to you. And so throughout the conversations, I had the opportunity to, I like to say, for five months, date the company. Um, and we realized where we were able to match what their needs were as an organization with my skill set and things that I was looking to do for a next step in my career. So it really was through, again, I want to say listening and learning, paying attention to what's going on, not in my world, but their world, bridging that gap and finding an, a, some synergy there. So my role at Color Science, the title is Executive Director of Professional Relations, but Danielle, I get to drive in every highway of an organization. So I do oversee our clinical studies. I love that part of it. Um, from helping the team to be able to create the actual protocols for a study to publication, right? All the way through, um, get to see that. I oversee our thought leader relationships. I have been able to establish some incredible relationships over my two decades with these thought leaders from my previous role. So I keep them in the know and I give them the corporate hugs and information and support them when they're on podium or in publication. I also am a part of training and development, working with our learning platforms. I work and support our corporate accounts, so sales there. So I get to do marketing, sales, and clinical. I mean, it is a unicorn of a job, and I am so grateful because it keeps me interested, um, and it also keeps me learning and growing, and it allows me to contribute so much, I feel, to what our company's vision and purpose is. I love that you created this position because a lot of times people will kind of just look at their, look at the company and go, okay, well, there's positions open. There's not positions open, but really when you can take your skill sets and you can say, I see an opportunity to continue the advancement within our organization and to add value to our customers. And here's how my skill sets are going to, to take this organization to the next level you get to create positions, you get to add value, you get to use your skill sets. And what's the worst that could happen? Somebody would say no, right? But exactly. you were able to present this idea and they created it for you. And it really speaks to your success, your value, and all the different areas that you get to work with in an organization uh, that you get to touch, like you said, you pretty much touch every division within your organization. It's so special. And I'll, I'll share a quote that has driven me actually since college. Um, and the quote I didn't know in college, but the sentiment behind it is, and I stumbled upon it later in life. And it's from Sir Richard Branson, who doesn't know him, right? Um, if somebody offers you an amazing opportunity, but you're not sure you can do it, say yes and learn how to do it later. And I feel like we're always so caught up in, you know, perfectionism and making sure we're going to get everything right and perfect all the time. And that's just not the way life is. And if you want to stay in that same box, obviously, and it's very safe there and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're looking to grow and you're looking to try to, you know, go beyond what might be the norm um, for the protocols we talked about, like going up and just saying, I'm in sales now, I'm going to be in sales management, then I'm going to move over here move up there to really look around you, take that complete view of what's going on, the opportunity in your organization, in your industry as well. 
you know, you speak to saying yes. And for those of you that are listening, I would invite you to kind of go back earlier in this podcast. There's two episodes I would tune into. One of them is learn as you go. And the other one is how saying yes will elevate your career. Because I experienced something very similar. I was interviewing for a rep role for a Fortune 500 company in medical aesthetics. And as I was interviewing for this role, the hiring manager, the director looked at me and she's like, would you be interested in management? And I was like, well, yeah, that's my goal. You know, I want to be a people leader. And at the same time, I had no direct management experience. And it was at that time, I could have let those limiting beliefs hold me back from pursuing it. But instead I said, yes. And actually Heather Goodchild, who that you work with, she was in this interview. I did a three hour interview in front of six of the executive leadership team and I got the job. And so I would have never be, I mean, not to say I wouldn't be where I'm at today, but I'm definitely contribute to where I'm at today because I said yes. And I love that's part of your story too, Danielle, because we let fear get in the way. We get our limiting beliefs get in our way. And it really truly does us no service and does not even do a service for that organization, right? If you're being offered something, it's because somebody recognizes your potential, your skills, your abilities. And even if we don't see it in ourselves, go for it. Like, just go for it. Don't be afraid. And as Richard Branson says, as you learned along the way, and I've learned along the way, you'll pick it up and you surround yourself with others that can help you along the way that are already doing it right and already doing it well. And you mentioned Heather. Heather Goodchild's an incredible leader. Um, I am so grateful to work alongside her at Color Science because she really does um, invest in people, invest in her team, and elevates them, you know, to 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 the places that they might not have thought they could go before. Yeah, she's an incredible leader. And also for those of you listening, she also has been on the podcast. She was one of the first episodes and she talks about her insecurities, stepping into a VP role and stepping into this high position role and doing it for the first time and and overcoming those limiting beliefs. So, you know, we're diving into limiting beliefs a little bit and, and I think everybody out there experienced these. But let's talk a little bit about some of the limiting beliefs that are out there right now. And we touched base on this before we jumped on today's episode. We talk about ageism. And can you speak to that a little bit when it comes to that particular limiting belief? Well, again, I've been around for a long time, right? Over two decades. And, you know, you think that sometimes that your experience might make you show your age, right? That you're too old to be able to start off something new. Maybe you don't have enough energy. Maybe you're not gonna understand what you know the current trends are or what is you know kind of most innovative out there. And I would have to say that is an absolute falsehood because when we look at life, knowledge is what we gain along the way, right? Um, you don't gain, um, you know, the wherewithal and the know-withal by doing something one time, right? It's multiple times, putting things into a practice, failing, right? And then getting back up and figuring out a new way. All these things come with time and with experience. So knowledge is what we gain along the way, but wisdom when we are later in our life is applied knowledge. And I think what we can do to overcome that is in our own mind, not think I'm too old to take on 
this new opportunity or this new role, but to say I am perfectly equipped because of all of the things that I've experienced in my life to be able to be the best person for this role. So, so I, that's my approach to ageism. You have to get that number out of your head. Um, it's just a number and yours can be unlisted and really pursue it and recognize all that you've accomplished and all that you've acquired and that you can contribute to where your next step is going to be. And there's, there's no replacing that experience. You know, everybody, everybody adds different value to their team and the organization. And in some areas, you, it's good to have somebody that's fresh and new and innovative and new perspective and new to the industry to ask questions. And then on, on the flip side, there's value to having somebody that's got industry experience, who's been, who's uh, had years of experience in their career because they're able to be a mentor. They're able to share what's worked, what's not working, and really inspire and empower other people within the organization through their success and failures. And if I can add something to that too, in life, and especially our professional lives, there's two things that we should treasure and we should nurture. And that is our relationships and our reputation. And those are earned through time. So I now can say, when I worked in professional relations at Metasys, I established relationships with thought leaders like Vivian Bakai and Amy Taub, and that I can actually text them on the phone really quickly on a weekend and get a reply. And I don't leverage that for, for professional gain. I leverage that because my heart is behind it, and I've had years of time um, in industry with them, but forming those strong bonds and relationships that I can help to benefit them in something that they may need or go to them when it's something that, that we'd love to collaborate with them within a company. Very powerful statement. Very, very powerful. So tell us, what are three things that you want our listeners to walk away with? I mean, you shared so much knowledge and value. What are three things that you want our listeners to walk away with from our conversation today? Yes. And three was a challenge, right? When you look at all yes. that I wanted to share with your audience today, I, I was like three, just three. And that's a great challenge, right? To whittle it down and simplify. And I wrote them down. So, so the first one is lead with giving before getting. I truly feel if you lead with how you can help that customer, how you can help that company, how you can help that friend or family member, you are coming with a place and an intention that will touch somebody in a different way versus just trying to get something from them, get their business, get their order, get their help or assistance. So offer an introduction. I love connecting people, right? If I see you're doing something, I'd be like, oh, well, who can I connect you with that might be helpful for you? Um, lead with an idea. You, I see somebody that might be doing something in their, um, in their business or their career and you know, I'll reach out and say, hey, have you thought about this? Um, or lead with an opportunity that you're bringing them something that will benefit them before it benefits yourself. So that's number one, lead with giving. Number two, very important, surround yourself with wise counsel. And this is actually very biblical and faith is a very important part of my life, right? Um, we often can get stuck in a, the vacuum of our own mind and experiences. And it's good to have people in your circle um, and I, I liked, you know, the power of three, right? You don't need a hundred. You need some trustworthy people that you can be vulnerable with and that you will trust will be honest with you. And John Maxwell is incredible. And he talks about this, right? Having, you know, people you can go to that you will trust that will, you know, tell you like it is. So it's really important to be able to have wise counsel. 
Um, and then number three um, is overcome your barriers, not just external, we talked about that, but internal, right? That, that you have to address both if you want to pursue something um, that will take you beyond where you are today. Those are great nuggets that you just shared with our audience and so powerful. Thank you for joining today. And tell us, what book are you reading right now? I always like this question because I always like a a good book that takes us to that next level because I always feel like if you're investing in yourself and your personal development, that's really how you could take your career and your life to that next level. So, so thank you for calling that. I just finished a book and Danielle, when you and I spoke a little bit, I, I have the heart to read a lot of books. I don't have the attention span. So I have to take them in small sound bites, right? 10 pages here, a chapter there. Um, and I know that about myself and I don't beat myself up about it if I don't dive through 30 books in a month. But the one I just finished, I'd love to call out, was given to me as a gift. is by an author, his name is Mark Batterson and it's called Win the Day. Seven Daily Habits to Help You Stress Less and Accomplish More. And I love me a list, right? Who doesn't love a list? So he goes over seven different ways you can approach things um, in your day to be able to get beyond stress and anxiety that become limiting beliefs or barriers to success. And I think that a lot of us could probably agree that the past couple of years has been very interesting and unique for us. And between the pandemic and being working moms, it can be sometimes really hard when you feel like you're living in a world of chaos and you're always rushing from one thing to the next. So that's a great book recommendation that I'm sure a lot of people will go ahead and uh, pick up and I'll go ahead and the links, I'll include the links in the show notes for, for you listeners on how to get that book. So thank you for joining us today. You have You're right. You are a connector and I connected with you on LinkedIn and we've continued to build this relationship and you have led with love and kind and inspiration. And thank you for joining us. Danielle, thank you for having me. I'm grateful to have you in my life. I'm so pleased to see your business be successful and the impact you're having on others through the incredible content that you're putting out. So it was an honor to be your guest today. Oh, well, thank you. Okay, for those of you that are listening, um, I invite you, if you enjoyed today's episode, definitely share it with your friends and family, write a review. And if there's something specifically that you want to hear in future topics, send me a direct message. This podcast is really designed to empower and inspire women to have both a thriving career and abundant life. And then I also have a couple tools when it comes to career acceleration. If you go to my website, I have a workbook and it's a career acceleration workbook, which are steps that you can take to guide in creating and gaining clarity in your career, as well as putting together a career roadmap and setting yourself up for success. So thank you for tuning in. And I look forward to you joining on next week's episode and create an intentional day. Thank you for listening to the Unstoppable Grit podcast with Danielle Cobo. If you found today's episode resonating and inspiring, kindly take a moment to craft a review. Your review holds the potential for Apple and Spotify to share the Unstoppable Grit podcast with others. Furthermore, consider extending the ripple effect by sharing this episode with those around you, family, friends, colleagues, 
and anyone who could benefit from the insights and stories shared here. Also, be sure to visit daniellecobo.com for more resources on cultivating resilience and unleashing your inner grit. We'll be back soon with another empowering episode. Until then, be unstoppable.